When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report. Here on Tuesday, November 19th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show under bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Or if you're brave enough, call the same number and leave a voicemail. We'll play what you have to say on air. This week, Alabama loses its quarterback and perhaps its chances for the final fourth spot. Colin Kaepernick gets a workout on his terms. And should the Houston Astros receive a death penalty for Major League Baseball? Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. We've got the National Football League. Nothing circles the wagons like that, as we mentioned on the show. Weekly, seemingly, as the football season continues college football is sorting itself out we said we were done talking baseball and baseball was dead but the houston astros are the gift that keeps on giving so we'll get into that too some thoughts on what's been going on in the mlb but first some thoughts on what rocked the college football world on saturday tua goes down with a hip injury He has surgery yesterday or today. He is done for the entire season. Alabama now will have to rely on its backup quarterback, which, as we know in the past, wasn't the worst thing in the world, having to go to the backup. I'm not quite sure magic will happen quite like it did when Jalen Hurts was part of the Alabama team, now doing incredible things with Oklahoma, historic comebacks on Saturday against Baylor. The... I don't want to say controversy, but the storyline revolving the injury is did Nick Saban be in the wrong by keeping Tua in the game while up 35 to 7? I don't think so, but we could start with your thoughts on the injury as a whole and the circumstances surrounding it. Well, I I think it's... And after the fact, second guess, moronic, quite frankly, it's the first half. It's the first half of a football game. These guys play into the third and fourth quarter with those kind of leads. It's the first half against Mississippi State and the SEC. They weren't up 63. Yes, they were up 35 to 7, but it's the first half of the football game. Now, had it happened midway through the second half, and it's 45 to 7, coming off the ankle injury. But no, it's the, it's the last drive of the first half. You're in your two-minute offense. 
You're looking to get one more score. He's had a nice pocket the entire first half. You're rolling along. You're playing well. You're looking to finish the half with a bullet and then probably rest for the day. But instead, he scrambles, and the rest, unfortunately, is a nightmare for Alabama, but more notably for the player whose college career may be over, as far as we know, unless he decides to come back for another year, which wouldn't make sense in any way, shape, or form. And he now has undergone hip surgery, a very serious uh, very serious injury. Uh, and we have no idea what the recovery process and time is going to do to draft status or his ability to play pro, pro football. Now we know we've seen another Alabama player suffer a similar injury a few years back. Uh, and he went on to become an all pro. And you know who that is the former Baltimore Raven from my team. And now New York Jet, who unfortunately, after leaving in free agency, uh, got hurt very early in the year. And we haven't seen him since. But he suffered a similar uh, injury his, I believe, his junior year in Alabama. Came back and played the next year, if memory serves me correct, and then went into the draft. And uh, you never know when injuries are ex- how similar they are, exactly the same. But I have read and heard, for whatever it's worth, that it is similar to the injury suffered a few years back. And we certainly hope that it's the case that he has a full recovery. How speedy, I really don't care. I just want him to recover fully, completely, and be ready to go for the NFL draft, hopefully, so it doesn't affect his professional career. I'm sure it's going to affect his draft status for sure in in terms of uh, where he's selected because there's there's far more risk. Um, And he hasn't played the last portion of his season, his postseason, his career. So I certainly believe that will affect where he gets drafted. Whether or not it affects his ability to play, I certainly hope it does not. And he comes back uh, as good as ever, fully mended, fully healed, 100%, and hopefully you know better than ever because he's a marvelous talent. And it would be a shame after watching him play these three years or almost three years for us to never get a chance to see him play in the pros, but even obviously a greater shame for him to lose the opportunity to play at the next level. Terrible injury, obviously. Terrible for his career, first and foremost. Much farther down the list. Terrible for the team. Terrible for Nick Saban. But I agree with you completely. To say that this is on Nick Saban is preposterous. Alabama now is in the position where they're not going to play for their conference championship after losing to LSU. They're not in the top four of the college football playoff. So you have to go out now and pretty much manhandle the teams that you're playing against. Now it's the eye test portion of things. Now it's show us how good you believe you are, and maybe that'll sway things in the coming weeks. 
So I don't expect them to have had him in the game you know, deep into the third quarter when they're up 55-7. to seven. But for a first half at least, there's nothing wrong with having him in the game, and there's nothing wrong with having him in for the situation of that game. Remember last week against LSU when he threw the interception, the two-minute drill. Nick Saban said either at halftime or after the game he wanted to get him that rep to run a two-minute drill, see if they could score before the half. I have no problem with it at all, and, and I think you would have to play him as much as you deem fit in those circumstances just based on they, where they were in the college football playoffs. So you can't put this injury on Nick Saban. You can't play the result of this. It, it was a freak thing, and unfortunately it happened at all. It, it doesn't matter what point in the game it was, unless you know, it was the fourth quarter and they're up by 80, you might think about sitting him down. If he was healthy enough, quote-unquote, to play in the game, you play him. And he was doing great. And you would have had that under your belt. Whether he left after the first half or played a couple drives in the third quarter, you get a big win against Old Miss, he sits for a quarter and a half, and you move on next week. But they're at the point now where they can't just be satisfied with their record. They have to also show, hey, we just went out and manhandled this SEC team, and then we're going to look ahead to the next couple weeks. Will we see success continue with the backup quarterback now? It'll either be Mac Jones, no K at the end, just to see, or to his younger brother, freshman, keep the jersey. Just add a little bit more to the first name if they want to see what he can do if they roll the football out with him. They're in a terrible predicament now because at least you had that known. All right, we got our quarterback. He's a little banged up, but he could still play. We'll rest him when we can, and we'll win the important games when we can. Now it's what are they going to do, and now it's what is the committee going to do? Do you think now this changes things for a Thursday, Tuesday night voting process Knowing the two is done for the year, will that impact anything, or will they still just go by the name Alabama and not who's expected to be on the field next week? Well, we know that Alabama's already out of the top four. So before we get to that, what Alabama now becomes, ironically, is the biggest LSU boosters in the country because they desperately want LSU to beat Georgia in the SEC title game, assuming assuming that Georgia beats a very good Auburn team. And if that comes to pass, uh, and Alabama obviously still has to play Auburn in the Iron Bowl. So if Auburn loses those two games, Alabama becomes the biggest LSU rooter going because obviously they need them desperately to beat Georgia to have an opportunity. Because if Georgia were to ever beat LSU, they're in, period, end of story. I mean, they will have knocked off the top team in the country. And LSU, with their incredibly difficult schedule, if that's the only game they lose, they're going to be uh, – and they're certainly not going to take Alabama over them when they went into Alabama and won, and Alabama doesn't get the So what does it come down to? Alabama needs help. One, they need LSU to beat Georgia. Okay. Two, they have to bat out. Three, they have to hope – that Oregon or Utah are not that impressive against each other. 
especially Utah, because Utah's schedule is not very strong. And meanwhile, our Oregon lost out, you know, lost to that Auburn team. That if it was up to Auburn and Alabama, you know, if Alabama were in the mix, they would, they would have beat them. So that will give them an advantage there. But Oregon's playing very well. They're looking very strong. I watched them the other night manhandle their opponent. Um, I would be surprised, although they almost always seem to go belly up in a big spot, I would be surprised if Oregon does not bat out. But Utah's got a very good defense. They're very strong physically. I think they will give Oregon a really good game. And then lurking, lurking in the shadows, the comeback kids, all right, back from 28-3, back from 31-10, the Oklahoma Boomer Sooners, still with only one loss after having knocked off undefeated Baylor at Baylor. So if they go out and run the table, which means they will have beaten Baylor not once, but twice, in all probability, the second game time being in the uh, Big 12 title game. Well, I'm going to do now. You've got a once-beaten Baylor on the road at Kansas State, a once-beaten Oregon against Auburn, and a once-beaten Alabama without their quarterback. I think in that scenario, I think you would actually see the Pac-12 team get the nine. I think you would see the quack attack moving into the top four with a Georgia loss, an Alabama bat out, and even an Oklahoma team winning out. Because they will get credit for winning the Pac-12. They will get credit for beating Utah. They will get credit for winning a Pac-12 title game. And their one loss will have been very early in the season in a game that they clearly could have won and basically virtually gave away against Auburn in the last couple minutes. And remember, we, we remember, we, we, we forget the early losses. We remember the late ones. What do we always say? When's the best time to lose? Early. Early. And if Oregon bats out, I have a sneaking suspicion that they're going to find their way into the final four. And the question will be seedings only. Because if we have three undefeated teams and Oregon, the question is who's going to be number one? Will it be LSU or will it be Ohio State? Who's going to get Oregon? And who's going to get Clemson? I also think the committee would love being able to step back and say, are you happy now? There you go. Here's your well, Pac-12 they've team. Already, they've already, excuse me, just, just to finish that thought, they've already made an, a, a genius move because they've taken Alabama out of the mix. Right. Had they left Alabama in at four, it would have complicated things. But by taking them out at five, you're making them play their way back in or have somebody in front of them lose. If you left them at four, it would be very hard to get them out. But by dropping them, it makes it much harder to get them in without something happening for which there's justification to get them back in. If you left them at four, it would be very hard to move them out if they batted out. 
How would you take them out if you left them at four? On what grounds would you take them out if they go out and win the even under this scenario? If you if you leave them in at four and they go out and win the rest of their games with their backup quarterback, how do you move from the four spot? How do you do it? Right. Right. Because they would argue they're doing all this with their backup quarterback. Including beating including beating Auburn, who Oregon lost him. And you would have beaten him with a backup quarterback. I so what the committee actually did was genius by taking them out last week. I agree. And I think now, too, they might start playing the counter, in a sense, to the Tua injury with, look at Jalen Hurts and what he's doing with Oklahoma. One with Alabama, look, I, did everything for them. Now here he is on the other side. I would love to see Oklahoma get in. The problem you have putting Oklahoma in right now is the fact of these narrow escapes. I mean, they were down. Granted, it wasn't Baylor. Baylor's undefeated. Although their schedule is weak, and they've got some very questionable wins. But a win is a win is a win. Came back from 28-3 on the road. The week before against Iowa State, they had a healthy lead, and Iowa State comes all the way back and is a two-point conversion away from, from beating them. But in their defense, remember, North Carolina was a two-point conversion away from beating Clemson. So you can't just hold that against Oklahoma and not against Clemson. Different is Clemson is undefeated. Oklahoma is the one lost. Look, I... You know, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're rooting for a, probably a Utah win, all right? And obviously, you know, Georgia to lose somewhere along the line, uh, obviously to LSU in, in the title game. And you're going to make your argument that you're better than Utah because you played a tougher schedule. And you're going to make an argument that you know, you're better than Alabama because you played a tougher schedule. Because Alabama's played nobody. Once team Alabama's played, they lost it. Now, if they get there, they will have beaten Auburn. Eh, big deal. So it still, to me, comes down to that triumvirate, because I, I expect Georgia to lose. I don't think Georgia's that good. I think Georgia's team last year was much better. I think Georgia's team before was much better. This Georgia team's not nearly as good offensively. Uh, they don't have anything remotely resembling the receiving core they had the last few years. And I think that... Uh, I think they will be taken apart uh, by LSU. But that remains to be seen. So, to me, those are the the four teams it's going to come down to. Uh, because I think Georgia's going to lose. I think it's going to come down to Alabama, the Utah, Oregon winner. And I still say Boomer Sooner's in the hunt. And I agree with you. There's got to be a little thumb on the scale. for There's got to be people out there rooting for Jalen Hurts. There's got to be a little faction out there saying, he lost the job at Alabama. He saved their bacon when Tua got hurt. They had their asses kicked in the finals. They're out. Here's, here's his chance. And he, you know, he made his move to Oklahoma. He handled himself with class and aplomb in Alabama. He's been terrific for them. He's from rabbits out of hats. Let's give this kid one more shot. 
Let's give this kid one. What would America rather say? This kid having one more shot or Utah or the Oregon Ducks. No knock on Utah or the Ducks. I love watching the Ducks play. But I'd rather watch Jalen Hurts any day of the week. I would love to see him win a national title. Love to see him go out raising the trophy after what happened at Alabama. I don't think there's it. I think the chances are minimal that it will happen. If you said to me, name the order, which I think the possibility of the, the teams getting in would be, I would say uh, Oregon, Utah winner one, Bama two, Oklahoma three. Saturday certainly helped. Down 28-3, to where we heard that before, to Baylor on the road and a historic comeback to get the victory. And now if they play again and you dominate them on your home field or wherever the field may be, that looks great. Saying, well, that game was a fluke. We didn't come out and play. Let's make up for it. So they, they have a lot of positive things to look at, but as we mentioned... You have to let some of this stuff play out, and you have to have some things go your way if you're not LSU, Ohio State. Or and we, look, we, have, we haven't even discussed the possibility. We haven't broached the possibility. Dare we, dare we think with them playing well and pounding interstate rival Michigan State that Michigan could finally, forget about the fact that it's in the big horseshoe, could Michigan go out there and give Ohio State a game? Could Michigan knock off undefeated Ohio State and spoil their season? Is it possible? Is it plausible? We don't even even entertain that as a remote possibility. Oh, could we're Penn State? Ohio State out to be, we're making Ohio State out, out to be unbeatable. Yeah. Based upon the fact that they've, one, been unbeatable, and number two, Michigan can never beat them. So what do we think? Is that still the case? Or do we think there's a chance Michigan can beat them? Well, there's Penn State, too. The college football playoff ranking committee. Darlings, number four, Nittany Lions, Penn State. Well, didn't really work out. But, hey, show us something, Penn State. Show us something, Michigan. Keep those games close. Who knows what could happen? It's hard to go against Ohio State to this point. They've played incredible football. They have an incredible quarterback who would be the best person on the field in both of those games, but stranger things have happened. I don't foresee them happening. They're not going to be easy games, though, and if you have a tough one against Penn State, not easy to have to turn around and and play Michigan, regardless of how much we deservedly so make fun of them. So there's still a lot of excitement to come in the upcoming weeks with the college football playoff. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. In the National Football League, excitement abounds for your Baltimore Ravens, who have, we like to joke on this show, who's good in the National Football League, like, Really good, power rankings-wise. Who are we looking at that's shown consistency? And they've seemingly skyrocketed to the top of the list with a drubbing 
of the Houston Texans, giving Deshaun Watson his worst loss ever. High school, college, the pros. We thought it was going to be a shootout. Lamar and Deshaun, little Clemson, Louisville days. T'was not. T'was not even close. But what took the NFL by storm, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but hit on it briefly, is, again, a deja vu moment for the show, for sports media, Colin Kaepernick dominating the sports media world all throughout Monday, all throughout Monday and all throughout the rest of the week, presumably, for his workout on Saturday, which was scheduled in Atlanta, thrown, thrown upon him, we hear from the NFL on a Tuesday, early in the week, hey, you're doing this workout, we're going to send people, we're going to record it, good luck. He said, well, who? Who's going to be there? Eh, we're not going to tell you. Well, who am I throwing it to? Eh, you'll be all right. What do I got to sign? Eh, there's just a couple papers. Uh, nothing. A little lawyer lingo. A little Al from White Plains lawyer lingo. Eh, just, just put the signature down on the paper. Everything will be fine. Well, we find out 25 teams were sending representatives to watch. Okay, we got something. Let's, let's see what happens. No, I'm not signing. Not signing the paper. And then a couple hours before, eh, I'm not doing this in Atlanta. We're going an hour yeah. away to another high school. I'm bringing my film crew. I'm bringing my guys. We're going to do this my way. Do you want to play? That's the question. You took the money and ran. You didn't want to. You didn't want to fight the good fight, but now you got to fight it again. Here's an opportunity. There's going to be lots of eyes there, but you can't take advantage of that. No, let's play the martyr again because they want you to sign a release, and there aren't cameras there. So what? Everybody who goes there is going to lie and say, "Boy, he sucked. Boy, he couldn't throw. He, he, he couldn't throw for beans. He's washed up." Then we're all going to get together. All 25 teams are all going to get together, and we're all going to say the same thing. Boy, he's, you know, what a waste of our time. This guy, what's he been doing? He's been working out. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. You know, I know those weren't, I know those, those weren't his hand-picked receivers, but man, oh, man, he was awful. We, none of us want to sign him. He can't help our team. We're better off with uh, the, the fill-in-the-blanks of the world. All right? You know, we're, we're, we're better off with guys that are 37, 38 years old. We're better off with journeyman. We don't want this guy. He was awful. Take my take our words for it. You need cameras? Let's all get together and continue the conspiracy. We don't want him in the league, so let's all say the same thing. He was awful. Oh, he blew. Absolutely. We all went there for the same reason. To say he sucked. We were all in cahoots with the league. They told us all to come and all say the same thing. No cameras. So you guys all you guys all say the same thing. Kaepernick, 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 he's hideous. He's a bum. He's done. He's washed up. And then we'll be done with it. You guys all say the same thing. You're the mouthpiece. As ordered, 25 guys, you all go with your scouts and say the Kellen Kaepernick doesn't have it. Come on. Come on. Just go and throw. Go and throw. Because if you can still play, don't need no cameras. If you can still help somebody more than you can hurt them, that's what it's all about. 
We know he can play, but can he help a team more than he can hurt a team? And off of what I've seen and heard in the last couple days, he just still wants to hurt a team. He still wants to hurt the league. He still just wants to be a pain in the ass, plain and simple. And the last thing any NFL team wants is a pain in the ass. They don't want guys that nobody wants to watch. They don't want guys that nobody wants to root for. Because that's bad business. It's bad publicity. It's bad for ticket sales. It's bad for the league. It's bad for the shield. And it's not going to win football games. And if you're not going to win football games, don't mean nothing to me. But he just doesn't get it. Just doesn't get it. It's all about me. Me versus the world. Yeah, you gave me a chance, but I don't like the conditions under which you gave me the opportunity. So everybody, come up here. On an hour's notice, hour and a half notice, come up here and watch me. I got the cameras rolling. Show you I can throw. Did you think for a second he couldn't throw? Guy works out five hours a day. Did you think for a second he couldn't throw the football anymore? You've looked at him. Do you think he's not in shape? He looks Keep good. Bowling balls off. Keep his bowling balls off his stomach. Of course he's in shape. Of course he can throw the ball. It's not like he's 60. Brett Favre can still throw the ball. Phil Sims can probably still throw the ball. Get with it. You want to play? Show me. Stop talking. Stop barking. Stop whining. Stop being a martyr. Go out there and strut your stuff for the eyes and prove you can still play, and then go play. Show me. I don't need you to talk to talk anymore. You've talked enough. Start with the walk. Let's see it. I think all parties involved just ended up looking bad for this entire week. From the quickness that the NFL wanted this done, the confusion around it, like why now? Who put you up to this? Now all of a sudden we're, we're having this pro day for a player that hasn't been in the league for three years. What's the problem? <laughs> Who came down with the hammer that made you want to do this? For them wanting to control it, which you can't blame them for. And then on the other side, you in a sense can't blame Colin Kaepernick for wanting to control himself, not trusting the NFL. Not a lot of people that trust the NFL playing on and off the field. They just don't tell you anything about it when they don't need to. I mean, Tom Brady didn't trust the NFL with his cell phone. So it's not just Colin Kaepernick. It's, it's a lot of people, understandably so. But to to give the finger to the NFL is one thing, but to give it also to everyone that was coming to look at you, the 25 scouts that went down to eight because many of them didn't have the plans to just hop in an Uber for an hour. Hugh Jackson was supposed to run the workout. He flew down to Atlanta. They're like, no, no, we're not doing it here. You got to take a car and go. He left. <laughs> Hugh Jackson, he doesn't have time for it. He's got more important things to do. He might be writing a book or who knows what. He left. He doesn't want to look bad in the eyes of the NFL. He's probably still trying to get into the league. Everybody ended up looking bad. 
Because if you take a step back, you could ask as well, you could have done this whenever you wanted, Colin Kaepernick, for three years. If you let people know that you were going to have a pro day at an easy-to-get-to location with plenty of time for scouts to get there and coaches, whatever, here's where I'm going to be, here's what I'm going to do, I'd love for you all to show up. People would come. They'd watch. You wanted the media there because the NFL wasn't sure. Well, we don't want media. We're going to take our own video. No, I want media. The media comes, and you give a 90-second speech after the workout and leave. No questions, no answers. What did you need them for? You could have just put a statement out, faxed everybody, sent an email. Hey, here's my thoughts. Do a, a FaceTime with somebody, Instagram story, Periscope, something. And the whole thing was, it was a shit show, really. And I, I don't see this being the step that's going to get him back in the National Football League. I wanted him to go out and be awesome. I want him to get back in the league. I want him to be on the field to be able to give the middle finger to all of the NFL after throwing a touchdown pass right to the camera. Boom! This is what you've been missing. Tear it up, man. But this just didn't seem like the way to, to start that train in motion. I don't, I don't know if it was a one-step-forward, two-step-back kind of thing, but I, I didn't leave it going, well, who's going to be the first one to call? He'll be in the league soon enough. It, it seemed like this came and went, and we're back to square one again with the Colin Kaepernick saga. I don't, I don't think this rectified anything, and it's unfortunate. I was hoping it would, but from what we've heard so far, it's not looking like it. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I wanted to get to this because this, maybe like you, as baseball fans, should be something that has you riled up. And it's what has come out via the Houston Astros and how they've gone about stealing signs. We talked about it on this show. I love stealing signs in baseball. First base coach peeking down at the catcher. You're in the dugout. See if the pitcher's tipping his pitches. It, it's part of the game. And it's all fair in love and war, as they say. But when you start introducing technology into the mix, that's when it takes things to another level. And it came out via The Athletic that the Astros were stealing signs in the 2017 season, the year, of course, that they won the World Series in an elaborate setup, like Mousetrap, the board game out. I don't know if you ever had to put that together for your son or played it as a kid. Very frustrating game to have to put together, but they figured it out. Camera in center field, connected to a TV monitor, headed into, under the stadium, going to the clubhouse. People sitting on the training table, watching the monitor, three or four guys, and then banging on a trash can, if it's an off-speed pitch, this big trash can, a little bat, boom. So the internet takes a hold of this. Shout out John Boy. He's put together 
tons of videos, and you could just go to YouTube and find John, any... John, John Boy is the footer at Bernstein. He's, he's been great. <laughs> the Astros should have paid this man he's millions to just stop posting videos. Of, Astro, of Astrogate. Here is a million dollars. Please cease and desist. Please. So you can go to YouTube and Google these videos, and you can basically hear it in every home Astros game. And of course, they said, well, we didn't do it in the postseason. Well, if you're going to do it at all, and you're not going to do it in the game's most important performances, that's ridiculous. Well, videos keep coming out. Now we're seeing from the Houston Astros World Series DVD of all places, the setup itself. They're showing Jose Altuve going into the locker room, and there's a guy taking the monitor down real quick. They got a couple towels hanging. It gets worse so you can't see it. Every bit of evidence is more damning than the next, including now a paper trail, which we know from the history of this country is not what you want when you're trying to cover things up, where executives are telling scouts, hey, See what we need to do out in center field or the outfield if we need binoculars or if we need monitors. Maybe we could steal some signs and see what's going on. See what you come up with and let us know. It continues to get worse and worse. And the stats back it up. Let's let's do this. Let's forget about the fact that from what we've seen so far, yet to be proven, not necessarily beyond a reasonable doubt, we're not in a court of law, but proven to the extent where it's far more believable that they had an elaborate cheating plan uh, than not, which it certainly looks like they did. But to me, Exhibit A is Mike Fires. I mean, that's all I need here. Then you throw in everything that we've seen and heard since that in terms of the articles, in terms of the photos, in terms of uh, all the various front office information and sources from scouts and disgruntled employees, etc. Let's just say for now, chances look much stronger that they are guilty of this than they are not. It creates a notion of doubt on the caliber of these players. Jose Altuve, a player that I love. Bragman, Springer, all of them. Just how good are they? But more importantly, it's a stain upon the game. The notion that everyone is doing it is not satisfactory to me. Right, I agree. Everyone didn't get caught. If everybody goes out and decides they want to rob a bank, it doesn't mean it's okay. And the ones that we catch, well, you know, so we, we caught them. Everybody's doing it. It's not the society we operate on. Here's how we operate. If you get caught, you get punished. Your defense is not everybody else is doing it. Your defense should be, I didn't do it. Well, we haven't heard I didn't do it. We've heard we're investigating. What are you investigating? The same way you investigated your front office guy, acting like a horse's ass at the celebration? The same way you stood up in front of us and said, how dare you accuse us of cheating? We're blameless, paraphrasing. A.J. Inch, 
repeatedly. It is time now for this commissioner, if this is true, to stop worrying about pitch clocks, to stop worrying about pace of the game, to stop worrying about too many pitching changes, to stop worrying about universal DH, to stop worrying about automatic strike zones, and remove the stain from the game by levying massive penalties because that's the only thing that will work is deterrent. Why? Because what does everybody say? Well, they, 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 they'll take the penalties in exchange for a championship. Well, what you do is you impose the penalties, and by imposing the penalties, it makes it impossible for them to win a championship. Because you see, yikes, if we get caught, look what's going to happen. Massive fines. Suspensions. Loss of draft picks. No first-round draft picks for five years. No draft for two years. $25, 30 million in fines. Suspend managers for half the season. Suspend. Look, if this happened on A.J. Hitch's watch, if he was in the dugout with all this going on and he knew about it, why shouldn't he be suspended for half the season? Because he's a good guy? Because the game won't be as good without him? Where's the loss to the game? How, how is the game hurt by a cheater, by the manager of a team who was in full knowledge that an elaborate cheating scandal was going on under his nose and which his team took advantage of and which he was part and parcel? How is the game worse off if he's not in the game for half a season? Explain that to me. Because he's a good guy and a good manager. So that's okay. We'll just let him slide, keep managing. This was on this was right under his nose. If this is true, it happened on his watch. He is as big a culprit as anyone. He needs to be suspended for a very long time. Minimum half the season. Ownership, $25 million. General manager, Jeffrey Luna, formerly my cardinal front office, suspended for at least a year, if not longer. You have to make the penalties so severe that the, the rest of the baseball world will be scared straight. Will there always be somebody out there trying? Absolutely. There's always going to be somebody pushing the apple. But here's the part that's even more absolutely more in enraged it gets me even more enraged they thought they weren't going to get caught they had the audacity and the temerity to be so egotistical that they were going to be this sloppy and think they weren't going to get caught how is that possible how could you be so stupid to think you would not get caught leaving a paper trail, having ex-players being aware of it, former scouts that you fired, former front office employees that you fired at the end of the 2000s? What did you think they were going to do? Just go about their merry way? What world are you in? And then now it's time for this commissioner to stand tall a commissioner who I can't stomach, a commissioner who wastes more of our time on bullshit 
than things that really matter. A commissioner who still hasn't fired Rob Drake. It's time for this commissioner to take a strong stand and impose unheard of sanctions, if guilty, upon those guilty from the Houston Astros. Ownership, money. Management, draft picks. Management, suspensions. And fines. The latest from what we learned from Major League Baseball is video monitors were part of the strengthened policy this season to prohibit the electronic sign stealing. Those who worked inside Minute Maid Park, this is coming from Chandler Rome, who's an Astros beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, were instructed specifically to listen to banging sounds in the Astros dugout. That's his headline to read this article. Which leads me to believe, if you're asking them to do that for 2019, hey, keep an eye out for bangs when you're working in Houston. You knew about this. You know about this. Are you going to sweep this under the rug too? Like your previous commissioner did for, I don't know, a couple decades when home runs just happen to be flying out of the park at a record rate. They are now still. You know, that's getting swept well, under the rug again. Because you're floating the ball. Yeah, that's getting you're swept under the, the rug again. You're elaborate. You bought the company and you're floating the ball. It's getting swept under the rug too. You're going to sweep this under the rug as well? What an awful look that would be. So now you've got to save your ass. Now you've got to put the penalties out, not because you think they're right, the penalties that you so eloquently said should come. This isn't coming from just the Yankees fan. If you're a baseball fan, this should piss you off because your team's going to play the Astros. They play the Astros. Now at interleague play, you play the Astros. It's not just the Astros. It's the game. It's, it's the, if you're a true baseball fan, as I am, my favorite sport, the purest of sports, this is an attack and a stain upon the game. It is a black eye upon the game because I don't know if what I'm watching is an even playing field. I can't trust my eyes anymore if you are going to allow this to go on. There is no need for tablets in the dugout. It's very simple. There is no need for any computers or cell phones or anything to assist teams in the dugout. No reason whatsoever. You shouldn't need a tablet to maneuver your outfield or put your defense in a shift. You shouldn't need live look-ins on videotape or even eight-second delays. Ban all cell phones. Ban all video equipment. Ban all computers from dugouts, from clubhouses. They are not necessary. You play the game with your eyes. You want to steal signs with your eyes? That's fine. You want to try and figure out what's coming with your eyes? That's fine. You want to watch tendencies the old-fashioned way with your eyes and not the enhancement of computers or blow-ups 
or cameras in hidden places, which only you can see. You use your eyes, you use your brain, you use your mind. You do it, not the old-fashioned way, you do it the right way, the fair way, the gamesmanship way. You do it better than the other guy with no advantage other than you're smarter, not because you can put a computer or a camera in a spot where someone doesn't know it is. That doesn't make you smarter, okay? That makes you a better cheater. This is not about who's a better cheater. This should be about who's a better team, who's a better player, who's, an organiz who's a better organization. Not because we use technology more to our advantage to cheat, because we put it where nobody knows it is, and we do live look-ins. That's not being smarter or better. That's taking advantage of technology to cheat. That just makes you a cheater. That's not a fair playing field. That's not an even playing field. And that's not what this game is about. So it's this commissioner's job now to protect me. Do something for me. I don't care about the fan who needs the game to end in an hour. I don't need, care about the fan who needs to have the ball go 527 feet to the opposite field on a check swing. I don't care about the fan who has the attention span of a firefly. I care about my game. I care about what I love. I care about me and that game. Protect that game for me, the real fan of it. Not the phony fan that you're trying to bring in by shortening the game, by creating more action. Because perish the thought, you know, they can't sit still and watch something for a few minutes without having their attention diverted back to their phone. Protect me for a change. Protect my game. Versus trying to change it for those who don't care about it to begin with. I mean, this, this would be like being in the most committed relationship you could possibly be in for your entire life, and then somebody shows the videos of your spouse cheating on you with the second most important person in your life. You read the reports, you hear the whispers, but you think, ah, there's no way. And then you see it happen over and over and over again. And as a baseball fan, it should rip your heart out like it would in that relationship situation. If this is something that we come to find out, too, that baseball kind of knew about and they made some rules and tweaks and, well, make sure you look out for this, but didn't do anything severe about it, another stain on them. But for the denials that have come with this from A.J. Hinch during this postseason, sticking his, his nose up at the thought that they would even think about cheating, whistling in the amazing, dugout, amazing. my nerve, the my word. The, the arrogance is just, it's mind-numbing. The fact that they stand up there with this just holier-than-thou, how dare you accuse us of doing such a thing? How dare we? Could you be a bigger freaking phony? Could you be a bigger liar? Everybody that's involved in this better make sure they're doing their due diligence behind the scenes. The Houston Astros other franchises around the league, and especially Major League Baseball and the commissioner. Because if you think that there's no more fearses of the world that are just raring 
to break these stories and spill their secrets after they could make a statement or try to give their own sanctions. Well, we're going to punish our team this way. And if the commissioner comes out and, well, it wasn't really against the rules back then with the video, we implemented that in 2019. You wait and see the people that are excited to come out and say, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I got more. I got more. And it's even more more damning than what we had. What about this? Check this this? out. Here's your email of this. Here's your signature on that. There's been scandals throughout baseball, as we know. The Black Sox scandal, the eight guys gone. Pete Rose gambling gone. Steinbrenner banned from baseball for life, only to be reinstated a couple years later, but people seem to forget that. The way you get this to stop year after year and not, well... I mean, if it's only a $10 million fine and we could win the World Series, hell, where do I sign? Get me two garbage cans. This needs to be, unfortunately, one of the biggest punishments in baseball history. Sorry it has to be just the Astros who happen to have all of the information coming out against them, but that's where you have to start. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, you were the team to get caught red-handed. We prosecute those we catch. Them's the rules we live by. We can't prosecute everybody because we don't get to catch everybody. But it certainly seems like this is the organization that was, when everybody was going 75 in the 60, going 100. So you get caught. And it looks like You are dead to rights. So now it's time for you to pay the price. Because you reaped the benefit. Now you got to pay the piper. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, we would love to be talking about more positive elements of baseball. But we got to talk about what's out there. Next week, we'll have more on this. We'll have more on the ever-turning world of college basketball. Excuse me, college uh, college football. And uh, the... Growing closer to Final Four. And of course, as my partner loves to say, no one circles the wagons like the National Football League. Until then, for the great John Tiny Lawn, I am out for my plans. Have a great sports week, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well, or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.